When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. edition of Bucky's fifth podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bell is here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. On today's show, we've got, once again, some basketball and some football to talk about. Of course, Wisconsin basketball off a huge win over number 12, Houston. Somewhat of an upset at the Maui Invitational. Played really well, weathered a storm in the second half and picked up a huge victory. And again, a lot of positive takeaways from what we saw from this team uh, yesterday. And we'll be recording this on a Wednesday morning. Uh, before Wisconsin gets ready for the Maui Invitational Championship against St. Mary's. So uh, that field worked out exactly as people expected it, I'm sure. And then in the back half of the show, we'll, of course, get into everything from Axe Weeks. We'll get previews of the Wisconsin and Minnesota game. Of course, a huge football game. We don't need to tell you guys on how important of a contest this will be with the Badgers and the Gophers. So it should be a fun and full episode. And then, of course, to round out the show, we'll have Andy York of the Daily Gopher on to give an insider perspective on the Minnesota Golden Gophers and what has gone and transpired on their season thus far. Matt, how are you this morning? I'm doing great. Yeah, no, it's been really fun to watch this team play in Vegas. They've This basketball team, they've been playing lights out here, and um, it's it's fun to see a team that you can really get behind. And, And, of course, Johnny Davis is just a stud. He's just been unbelievable, and it's it's been really fun to watch. Um, you know, just the way he he plays. We you knew that they had him in it, and or he had that in him, and we've really seen it. Um, you know, come to fruition these last couple of games. He's been uh, really a lot of fun to watch, um, and playing with uh, a lot of heart and fun. And and I think once again, you tweeted it out last night. This team is uh, is really fun to watch, and they're giving their best effort. I'm excited to see what they can do this afternoon in that uh, Maui Invitational Championship. Before we dive into everything from that game, there's a little bit of basketball news. Do you want to give the people a little rundown on the latest on the recruiting front? Yeah, so the the newest thing is uh, Luke Hurtler, um, in-state kid, Lake Country Lutheran. Uh, He ended up committing to the Badgers and Greg Gard to walk on to the basketball program. Um, you, You look at his film, it's not like he has a whole bunch of different offers um, to, to play basketball across the country. Like, this isn't Carter Gilmore, but you're looking at um, a kid who put up really good numbers, um, also a really good quarterback in high school um, for the same high school team. He looks on film a little bit more like a football player playing basketball than vice versa, but um, good athlete, uh, multi-sport kid. And um, I think when you look at him, because of his athletic ability and, um, you know, toughness, I think he's going to be a really good player for them to bring in. It's a, it's a high-level walk-on for them to, to help. And he's the type of guy you'd want on your scouting, scout team to give you a look because he can shoot the ball well and, and he can uh, play some gritty defense. And I think that's really what you're hoping for in a walk-on because um, he, if, if he taps into what he could be, you've got a guy who can maybe help you out with some spotty minutes here or there, but just a good athlete um, and um, more of a thicker kid at 6'3 um, and, and good size. But I, I do think that he's 
uh, a quality addition for the staff to get as a walk-on. Yeah, I mean, you can clearly see that, that he's an athlete. You mentioned his football background. You just recently named uh, co-offensive player of the year in football with along, of course, quarterback commit Miles Burkett. So uh, a guy that just going to come in and, and be an athlete, and I think that's something that Wisconsin basketball uh, could really use and, and hopefully comes in and, and gives this team a spark. I mean, sometimes these kids just are just such good athletes. It doesn't matter the sport. Um, that he'll be, you know, a, a nice little piece of that 2022 class. So always a good get. Um, in-state kids, it, it seems like he's a really good fit for what Wisconsin basketball will want to do. And we know the, the track record from walk-ons, it doesn't necessarily just have to be in football. Wisconsin basketball has had some success in that department as well. So should be a good addition for Wisconsin basketball. Absolutely. All right. You want to go ahead and talk, um, get into this Wisconsin and Houston matchup? Let's do it, man. All right. So the Badgers picked up a big victory over the Houston Cougars. Came out in the first half just on fire. I can't. I don't know the exact percentage. The last I looked, end of the first half, they were shooting around for fifty-seven percent. Well, that's where they finished too. That's where they finished. Yeah, that was just a um, incredible performance, just knocking down shot after shot. But I really don't think. You know, when you look at this game, I don't think it was just a stroke of luck that Wisconsin was able to come away with a victory. I think it wasn't just like every shot was falling and they were getting lucky. It was, I think, a really good effort offensively to find open shots. Uh, I think they did a really good job of moving the ball. And then defensively, I, I think you're going to see from this team, you know, there's going to probably be ebbs and flows on the offense side of the ball. But defensively so far, this team has been been pretty consistent, and they've played well. I think they really paid really good attention to detail from what Greg Gard and the staff want to do, and they were able to find a way to pick up a, a huge victory against a Houston team that, you know, brought some guys back coming off, you know, a Final Four appearance. This is a really good basketball team that they just knocked off, and uh, it, it was really a fun game to watch uh, overall. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at that performance in the first half, and that was – um, end-to-end about as good a basketball as you can expect a team to play. They shot the ball extremely well, like you mentioned, shooting 57%, but um, a lot of it came down to defense. Once again, their calling card this season, they held uh, Houston to, to 26% shooting in the first half, 20% from three, um, and really just kind of stifled everything that they wanted to do. Um, and, and that's not an easy thing to do against a really quality team that, that has a ton of experience. Um, the Badgers led this game for 38 and a half minutes uh, of the 40, so you're looking at a, a pretty dominant effort throughout. Second half, Houston definitely kind of turned it around and um, outscored the Badgers 43 to 25 to to make it interesting and, and cut into that lead. But you look at this and. Um, Tyler Wall and, and Johnny Davis just did enough in that second half to kind of will them to the end. Um, and, and really, uh, we'll probably talk about Johnny here in a little bit, but, but I was really impressed by the collective team effort in the first half and then um, their ability to understand in big situations like it's got to be Wall, Davis, um, kind of carrying the load because Brad Davison didn't have it. This was a game where he really struggled to shoot the ball, had a couple of air balls back-to-back in the second half, uh, and he only shot one of five from three. So it led to, hey, we got to turn to other guys, and, and Wallen Davis really stepped up in my eyes. Yeah, they did. They played really well, and it was nice to see this team, yeah, kind of find an identity of who to play through. And when a guy scored 30 points, it's easier to, you know, want the ball in his hands consistently. But I think when you get down to these late-game situations, Tight, you know, tight situations, those are the guys that you're going to play through. And, and Davidson will certainly be in that conversation as well, but there are nights where he just doesn't have it, and, and it's good to see that they've got other options to go to. Um, you know, Jonathan Davis was incredibly impressive, but I also think this team, you know, in the, in the opener, you saw them come come back and, and put together a victory. I think it was really impressive, you know, kind of on, on a reverse this time, that they were able to come out in that second half, and they were gonna, you knew they were going to get um, you know, a, a good punch from Houston. You know, this this is a really talented basketball team that wasn't just going to go down um, and and throw in the towel uh, against Wisconsin. They came storming back. Wisconsin showed their youth a little bit in the second half at times, but they held on. They found a way to win. I think that's really big for their confidence as they get ready to go into, you know, they, they still got some non-conference games left. But once you get into Big Ten play, there's going to be games like that where they've got to hold a lead and they can say, hey, you know, Against Houston, we got their best punch. We got a, a good punch from a top 15 team, and 
found a way to win, and I think that's going to be huge for this team moving forward. So overall, just a great performance and been a, a really – that's why you play these tournaments, and to have success like they're having is, is I think, going to set this team up hugely uh, as they move forward. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely a confidence builder. If they're able to take down St. Mary's as well, I think that you really accomplished something special um, with such a young team. Kudos to Greg Gard, the way he's coaching. He's he's really kind of had this team playing at a high level early on. Um, but another guy who I think deserves a lot of credit, Stephen Crowell, man, um, their, their center. He's been playing really well. He didn't you know, to light it up on the stat sheet with only one rebound and eight points. But you look at plus minus out there. When he was on, not on the court, the Badgers struggled. Chris Vogt was minus nine, um, and Crowell was in foul trouble, kind of dealing with some of that. But he hit a crucial three um, to give them a lift, and, and really he just helps them out in so many ways based off of what he delivers on the offensive end and what teams have to scheme towards. He found a couple open guys. Uh, when they were crashing to him on the double team that, that allowed other people to hit from deep. So I think he, he's a really important piece on this team. Um, and another guy who stepped up because Vogts was, was struggling was Ben Carlson. We, we talked about how he had um, had a tough year so far. He just kind of looked out of control for most of the first uh, four games. But in this game, you saw him be more intentional with the basketball, had four points, two nice passes for assists like he really made some nice plays and I think that hopefully is we talked I talked about how it was a confidence booster for everybody but I think more so for him because there is talent he's a good player um, and he just looked more in control he didn't have that deer in the headlights look in this game which is interesting against a really good defensive team in Houston so that was uh, exciting to see Chucky Hepburn kind of a rough game um, turned the ball over quite a bit and kind of struggled but, I mean, I, I think you look at the development of Tyler Wall and Johnny Davis, Wall looking way more poised this year, and you can see that he is taking his time. He, he's, um, the game has slowed down for him a little bit this year. And then Johnny Davis, we talked about it earlier on this week, that um, he was still looking for his three-point stroke, um, and he went 4-7 from three. And anytime he can do that, when there's a, when there's a threat that teams have to step out and respect him for that, He's so good at driving, um, hitting mid-rangers or, or getting to the rim that he's just tough to defend, and he does everything so well out there. You, you see him um, with with four steals, um, four rebounds. He was everywhere, um, and I think you look at him, and he is uh, a guy who could easily fly up and become a, a top player in the Big Ten here this year if he continues on the trajectory he is and now that he's back to health. Yeah, absolutely. I think overall, I mean, this was just a, a really impressive performance from everyone. Of course, you look at Jonathan Davis and be the, the, the takeaway, but I think even the, the guys that you mentioned, like Stephen Crowell, Ben Carlson, are guys that Wisconsin's going to need. They don't necessarily need to be the scorer and, and, you know, put in bucket after bucket, but if they can do enough, you know, on other on the defensive end, on the rebounding, everything like that, and then you have a performance. Now, you're not going to get 30 points from Jonathan Davis every night, but if you can consistently get scoring from him, consistently get stuff from Wall, and and then scoring from uh, Brad Davis, and when he's on, he, he's always going to get you, uh, you know, eight nine, you know, usually. But if, if he can pour in a little bit more, um, this team is is set up to be a, a once again a fun team to watch. There's going to be growing pains, there's going to be mistakes, but so far, I mean. The way they've played throughout the season, yeah, that Providence game hurts, but you probably win that game if Jonathan Davis is in there. So, so far there's been, I think, very little to complain about with this basketball team, which based on what you saw early, you know, in the off season, you kind of wondered what this team was going to be. You thought there was going to be some struggles. So far they've, I think, far exceeded expectations, and, and I'm really looking forward to see if they can continue that against St. Mary's because I think that would be a, a huge start to the season to you know, go to this type of tournament field, not expected to, you know, maybe win, you know, maybe win a game or and and compete, but to come out and win the entire thing would be uh, really impressive and a, a big step forward for this basketball program. Yeah, and I think just when you look at it um, through six games, if you were able to look back and say, okay, we lost one game that we should have won, and the reason we didn't win it was because our best player was mm -hmm. was banged up. 
I, I think you take that all day long, um, given the fact that you were walking into the Maui Invitational, expecting to, to see um, a young team that was going to struggle at times against maybe a team like Houston, who um, I think was was maybe the favorite of the entire uh, tournament. And for the Badgers to go out and secure that win was, was absolutely huge. And um, credit to Greg Gard and that staff, as well as the players, because um, I think they have already surpassed expectations um, through the first few games for, for most people because they're playing a good brand of basketball and it's just a fun team to watch and easy to support. Absolutely. And all right, if you're looking to support and watch the final game of this Mountain Invitational, guys, make sure to check it out. It'll be 4 p.m. Central time um, as Wisconsin takes on St. Mary's to finish off um, a fun three days of basketball out in Maui, uh, the ninth island of Las Vegas. All right, we've talked some basketball. Anything else you want to hit on news-wise? Otherwise, we can get uh, right into uh, this this uh, Axe Week contest. The only other news that really popped up this past week was Wisconsin um, had kicker Colin Larsh say that he was going to come back for another season. He's he's already been in the program for five years. He'll be coming back for a sixth year using that COVID waiver. I, I think you're going to start seeing once the season's done that more and more players maybe will come back. But I think this was a big get for the Badgers. He's he kicked the ball well, um, taken a nice step in his game. He's made 13 out of 17 uh, kick attempts, 76%, um, and has shown a better leg strength. You, you look at it, I know he missed a, a, an easy one or a chip shot, against um, Nebraska here this past week. But you look at it, he is two for two from 40 to, to 50 yards, which is great for him. Um, and, and I think you're just looking at a player who um, put in the work this offseason, and, and hopefully that can continue because I think it allows the Badgers to, um, you know, punt down the road a little bit the need for an, another kicker, and it allows guys like Jack Van Dyke, um, Nate Van Zell, maybe if they bring in another kicker, to develop as he kind of gets that extra year. Um, he's not a player that's going to be playing in the NFL, right? He's probably going to be going professional in something other than sports, but at, at the same time, he so far this year has been a good um, collegiate kicker, and that's um, a nice page, change of pace from what this team has had the past few years, including when Lars was kicking for the Badgers then. Yeah, I think coming into the season, if you would have said, hey, Kyle Lars can be back and it would be a, a positive for this team, you maybe not believe some people, but he's been <laughs> really consistent. I know uh, Drew cursed him uh, the, with that article, but he has been really good and deserves a lot of the kudos that he's been getting. And college kickers, I mean, you, there's – there's the, the the really really good ones are are there's not a lot of them out there so sometimes you want just any guys that you feel that you can consistently make some kicks because college kickers can be kind of a wide variety of what you get and the way you know the consistently um, the consistent play of Colin Marsh this year has been something that I think Wisconsin would welcome back you don't want to enter into a, a new season with kicking questions and you know Colin Marsh if, if he's able to keep that going. Um, throughout this final year of his career will certainly be a get a big get um, for the Badgers and to not have to hopefully worry about that position as much as maybe in years past where there's been uh, some struggles there. Absolutely, man. All right, well, why don't we go ahead. We'll get into this Minnesota matchup. Before we do that, we've got to talk to you guys about Home Field Apparel. Home Field will be running their Black Friday deal starting November 26th, so that's coming up quickly. Um, through Cyber Monday, November 29th. Uh, all items will be 20% off during the sa- duration of that sale. There's no code necessary, so you do not have to put anything. It will automatically be applied as you check out. Items are subject to check out. Home Field recommends ordering as early as possible as shipping carriers have been delayed, so hopefully you'll get your shirts in plenty of time for the holiday season. It's a perfect gift for sports fans in your life. Or if you don't know what to get someone and you've been looking for an idea, you can also do gift cards as well. Give that card. They can go in and pick out whatever fancy or cozy sweatshirt they're looking for. And um, and that way you can nail the gift without worrying and stressing because I know I speak from home field experience. I have a bunch of sweatshirts and, and T-shirts in my closet that I have no affiliation to the school with at all. But they look cool and um, they're incredibly cozy, so I decide them. So gift cards are a great option as well and you don't have to worry as much about the shipping end of things. So make sure to go over and check that out, 20% off, homefieldapparel.com. That deal will be starting, once again, on Black Friday, running through Cyber Monday. All right, let's go ahead and get into Wisconsin, Minnesota. Of course, Paul Bunyan's act over 
Paul Bunyan's axe, the oldest running rivalry, et cetera, et cetera. Huge game for Wisconsin um, and, and the Golden Gophers. Huge implications for the Big Ten West, of course, for the Badgers. Pick up a victory. They are off to Indianapolis to play, take on the winner of Ohio State and Michigan. So should really be an exciting weekend of college football overall. What do you make of this Wisconsin and Minnesota matchup? I'm excited for it. I, I think the biggest thing you look at this is these are the types of games you want at the end of the season where it really matters. Um, you've got the layer that it's a rivalry game. You've got a layer that this is on the road. You've got all the things at stake um, for getting to the Big Ten Championship with Minnesota still ha- having um, a glimmer of hope to get there as well, depending upon how things shake out um, in other games around the Big Ten. And this is going to be a, just a fun and awesome environment and game. Uh, you got to hope that the Badgers can keep their streak going. They've won the last two um, since dropping that game in Madison to in 2018. Um, but before that, obviously, they just rattled off win after win after win. So Wisconsin definitely has dominated this series, um, you know, dating back to about 2004. And hopefully the Badgers could do it again because I just – I think this is going to be a fun game. I would expect a closer game um, just because you look at these two teams and at least statistically they're eerily similar in a lot of ways um, based off of what they were trying to do. They're both built on having a good defense, a good running game, and um, have had similar results this year, although the Badgers seem to be kind of trending in a different direction than the Gophers here as of late. Yeah, I think overall this game should be a, a really fun one to watch. I mean, you've got, you know, a couple of years ago you had the snow game. I don't know if we'll quite get snow, but you'll have the cold weather, the rivalry. You know, that's just what makes this game so much fun. And, of course, when you add in those implications, even if even if Minnesota kind of has, the, you know, that outside shot, I'm sure they would love to play spoiler to Wisconsin season. Um, so this game, I mean, you don't need to really get amped up for Axe Week. It's going to be a huge contest for both of these games or both of these teams, and should be uh, a lot of fun to watch back and forth as uh, as you get into the ins and outs, the X's and O's of this game. I think there'll be a lot of added layers there as well. So why don't we start with uh, the offensive side of the ball coming in? Wisconsin, of course, Braylon Allen running the ball incredibly well. Uh, there's no denying that the offense has been clicking of late. Probably going up against a Minnesota defense that, you know, by comparison, this is probably the best group they've faced since maybe that Iowa game. You know, in terms of a lot of the statistical numbers, they are very similar to where Iowa's at in terms of total defense and run defense. So this will be a good test for what they've, from what they've seen the last couple of weeks. How do you expect this Wisconsin offense to uh, try and go at this Minnesota defense? If it isn't broken, don't fix it. Try to run the ball, right? Like, you just run the ball. Um, And I know that Minnesota is going to probably sell out to stop the run and focus on that. But Graham Mertz, do what you can. Do your – do the – do what you did against Nebraska. Take what's there given to you and take advantage of the playmakers around you to entrust that they're going to be able to make plays um, and, and and do a complementary part to the run game because I, I think you've got Braylon Allen. I would expect him to, to have the ball probably 25 times, 20, 25 times again. Um, maybe you get him involved in the in the passing attack as well. Um, you, you look at Minnesota's linebackers, uh, they are, are really good at, at stuffing the run, but they're not necessarily tremendous players that play out in space. So if you can get a guy like Braylon Allen out in space where you can say, okay, we, we've got a wheel route here, cover him one-on-one, I would give the advantage to Braylon Allen. Maybe that's a little advantage that the Badgers have in looking at kind of film of what Minnesota has been this year. So I think I think the recipe doesn't change on offense, though. You you don't try to get cute. You don't go away from what's won you seven here, seven games in a row here. It's run the ball with the guys who you have up front. You got a good offensive line. You've got a really good running back. Lean on them and and play um, complimentary football and trust that your defense is going to come up with stops and you're going to be able to score enough to win. Yeah, and to go off of that, you know, you know, you're going to they're going to run the football. That's there's no denying that. That's Wisconsin football's identity. I think that I'm really interested in seeing you know the patience that they have in the run game. This Minnesota front seven has has been really good. They might not give up as many of those big runs and big plays that we've seen the last couple weeks. So. It might be a few more games. You know, I think back to last year, you know, Garrett Groshek game was a lot of three yards and a cloud of dust. But I think with a guy like Braylon Allen, 
you stick patient with that, and then maybe all of a sudden as you wear them down, you can hit some of those bigger runs, and maybe as they you know overcommit to the stopping their run, all of a sudden maybe there's some passing um, attacks that you can hit on. Um, where, like you mentioned, Grammar is giving, getting what the defense gives him and, and hitting some plays there. So I think offensively, you know you have an identity. Minnesota knows what you're going to want to do. It's it's going to be more so about execution and patience and, and sticking with that even when maybe it doesn't work for the five, six-yard gains. Maybe it's just three-yard gains, but it's, it's you know, death by a thousand paper cuts in those type of games. And if you've got a battering ram like Braylon Allen, I think that plays to your advantage. So I, I'm interested to see... Uh, how how many touches? I like that you mentioned that in terms of twenty five because I'm, I'm interested to see how many he gets um, and how many they go, how long they lean on Braylon Allen because I think like you mentioned you stick with what's working and it, it may get stifled a little bit, but I still think as this game goes on and he wears down that he'll be able to get what he's been doing over the course of this win streak. I mean he's played some good defenses and and he's uh, and him and the offensive line have still continued to click, so I don't expect too much of a downturn from that. Yeah, no, I, I don't think, regardless of the defense, you don't want to change what you do. Um, otherwise, that's a recipe for disaster. All right, to switch gears here. You're going to be going up against a Minnesota offense that runs the ball um, fourth most in the country, but behind or fifth most behind the triple option service academies. I believe North Texas is the only other team that doesn't run the triple option that has more rushing attempts. So you're going to see a game that, Probably going to go quick. Going to be a lot of consistent clock running, a lot of uh, turn and hand it off, but that's not really that much different from what we've seen with Wisconsin and Minnesota the past few years. So thankfully for Wisconsin, you know, last week defense got tore up a little bit in terms of Adrian Martinez with his feet, but I think Minnesota offensively plays right into the strengths of this Wisconsin defense. So how do you expect that matchup to fare for the Badgers? I think the defense will be set up well. Um, you look at the Badgers' front seven, they're equipped for what Minnesota wants to do. This is what when the Badgers are at their best is stopping the run. Um, you know, it's hard to feel bad for Minnesota because it is Minnesota, but you look at it, they, they have had Mo Ibrahim go go down. You've got Trey Potts go down, their backup running back, and, and, and now they're on their third and fourth string running backs who have still ran the ball really well, averaging about five yards a carry in Kai Thomas and Marquise Irving, um, who goes by Bucky, which I think is just, like, ridiculous. Like, read the room, man. Like, your, your rival is the Badgers, but um, – I think that Wisconsin will look to kind of slow down that rushing attack and 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 force Tanner Morgan to have to throw the ball, right? Like you look at statistically, he has not performed as well as what you have seen in, in 2019. He just isn't the same player when he doesn't have two NFL caliber wide receivers to throw to. Um, he, he's his Mertz, or his numbers are very similar to Mertz. Um, when you look at the year, but um, you, you look at the the trajectory, and Mertz struggled at the beginning and has played much better football. Tanner Morgan, on the other hand, um, kind of the opposite. And so I think Willie Wisconsin wants to be able to stop that run, but Minnesota has a really good offensive line. So I think that's going to be um, a fun watch is to see how this Wisconsin um, defensive line and um, everybody gets after uh, Tanner Morgan, make things uncomfortable for him, and and see if the Badgers can take advantage of some things in the secondary because I think Wisconsin's playmakers have shown that they can uh, are willing to jump routes and Minnesota is going to do play action, try to hit um, so a lot of glance routes and different things um, off of the you know quick plays, but I think Wisconsin because. Everything is kind of compacted. Minnesota isn't going to try to chuck the ball deep. That um, it, that that is what Wisconsin's been best at is keeping things in front of them, making plays underneath, and getting after the quarterback. All things that lean well are uh, are good for this game for the Badgers and fit what they stylistically are good at. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, you look at this defense that we you know, we talk about. You know, the Wisconsin run defense playing, you know, that Minnesota rushing attack plays right into that. I think that's kind of a given that Wisconsin will have success in that department. So it's going to come down to, you know, can they make plays when Minnesota throws the football? And I, I certainly think they can. They have had success against Tanner Morgan in the past. I mean, you look at Jim Leonard's defense, loves to throw pressure um, and loves for pressure to consistently be there. Even if they aren't, you know, even, you know, the last couple matchups, you know, two matchups ago, 
Um, you know, they, they got home for quite a bit of sacks, but even in the years they haven't got home for sacks, if they've just moved the pocket around and made him get uncomfortable, he's had to make some throws and he's made some mistakes that way. And I think you could certainly see that in play once again here with this Wisconsin uh, defense going up against uh, this Tanner Morgan attack. So I think you, you know, the success that he's had has been, you know, really just on short passes. You still have to respect the deep ball a little bit, but but I think they can just, you know, kind of not cheat up, but be ready to defend everything underneath. They do have some wideouts that are talented, but I think you've got uh, at least enough in terms of tape to know that the success for this Minnesota offense when they've been throwing the ball has been on these short routes, hitting thick, quick things. So jumping some routes, um, you know, or just wrapping up and tackling for a short, quick pickup, um, I think will be huge for this game. So defensively, I don't want to sound arrogant, but I don't worry too much about what Wisconsin's uh, defense will be able to do against this Minnesota offense. I think they'll be able to get stops. I hope that they'll be able to force some turnovers. I think they'll be able to get pressure. And then it's just a matter of of making sure hopefully the offense can click and and put up points, and then you're in a good position to win the game. I don't think they're going to come out and and blow this one open, but I think defensively you're going to have a recipe, at least, going into it where you feel comfortable that they're going to get stops on an annual basis against this offense. Yeah, I, I, I like you. I think the defense will do what it needs to do to get put the, the Badgers in a chance to win. Mm-hmm. It's going to be more on the offense, special teams, those areas to to rise up and make plays when they have a short field, when they have scoring opportunities to take advantage. I think that's really the crux of this game: is trust the defense and the offense, and the special teams need to to make sure that they don't um, put the Badgers in bad situations because this Minnesota team isn't uh, isn't really well equipped to score a ton. Um, not that Wisconsin has outside of a, the past couple games here either, but but I, I really look at the way that Minnesota's been playing, and, and they're not an explosive offense for most of this year. Defensively, Wisconsin should be okay as long as the rest of the team holds up their end of the bargain. All right, we've talked offense, defense. Overall, what do you think is going to be the key matchup they're going to be watching for in this football game? I think it's all going to be in the trenches um, in in this game. You you look at both teams, they're incredibly physical. Um, I I think Wisconsin has a much better defensive line in front seven than uh, Minnesota has, but Minnesota's offensive line is either right with Wisconsin or better. Um, they are they're a really big group. They play really physical, um, and and they do some really nice things. There's a reason they've been able to run the ball just as well with their third and fourth string running backs. They've had five backs go for over a hundred yards this year. Um, so I, I think you look at it. It's all going to come down to some trench warfare, um, a, a little bit of the extra three yards you get because of a player getting an extra push. Um, guys being able to. Um, break free. I, I think this is just going to be one of those games where it's not going to necessarily be pretty all the time. I'm guessing it's going to be low scoring, but it's going to be a, a ton of fun if you like. If you aren't somebody who watches just the football, if you watch the inside, um, the lines there, I think it's going to be a, a lot of fun to kind of see Keanu Benton going up against some of their offensive linemen, Nick Herbig trying to bend the edge against a guy like Daniel Falalele. Um, so I think this is going to be a fun game to if you're into the trenches. Yeah, when I mean, you talk about Wisconsin and Minnesota, those are the games that you you want to watch. Just the the battle that will be going on down in there, and you've got. And big guys, talented guys, you know, that's that's the bread and butter of both of these programs is set up for running the football and, and stopping the run, and you, you're going to see that on full display, um, just a back and forth between those two groups, um, you know, in this game. I mean, just going to be a run-heavy attack, so both defensive lines going up against offensive line. When you talk Minnesota, you know, one of the more experienced lines in all of college football, so it's going to be a good test for this Wisconsin front, but I think Wisconsin – um, has shown that they're willing and, and ready to take on that challenge. So uh, I think you make a great point. If you watch more than, you know, if you watch the game within the game, so to speak, you know, I know that's cliche, but you'll certainly see that on display in, in a contest like this with two run-heavy offenses um, and two defenses that are built on slowing that attack and then uh, de- developing pressure um, and trying to make some things happen in, in the past defense. So. I think this game will be, uh, from that perspective, a really fascinating one to watch. Speaking of that, in terms of what we're going to be watching, which players do you think we'll be watching and talking about come Sunday? 
Leo Chanel. <laughs> like, yeah. At this point, you can put that on repeat. He's up to 92 tackles. He's got nine more than Jack Sanborn despite playing in two fewer games. Like, the guy is an absolute animal. He's averaging over 10 tackles per game. He's averaging almost two tackles for loss per game, almost a sack per game. Like, he is playing out of his damn gourd. Um, and you look at a game where they're, they're downright going to run the ball. Like, without a doubt, they're going to try to run the ball. And they also like to do those underneath glance routes where he could – drop back into coverage and make a play. This is a game that Leo Chanel, Jack Sanborn, absolutely are going to eat. I I think that those two are going to have huge games. Uh, win or lose, these these two are going to have a huge impact on the defense. Um, and, and I think that you're going to see some maybe some gaudy numbers put up by Chanel in this game based off of the fact that he's just a tackling machine and is everywhere around the ball. Whether he's got that rib injury or not, he is just a tank. Yeah, he's certainly going to be a guy that's going to get many opportunities to make some tackles, and I would not be surprised if he racks them up on Saturday. The guy um, that I'll say is I think there's going to be someone who forces a, a turnover on the defense side, maybe a guy like Nick Herbig coming off the edge in a pressure situation that kind of puts Wisconsin in a really good spot. So I'll say um, he could be a guy that makes a, a splash play that, that sets Wisconsin up really well. Maybe they're up by a score and, and – and needing another stop, and then all of a sudden, you know, that something like that happens, and they can punch another one in and kind of put this game at a little bit wider margin. So I could say I could see a guy like him uh, making a, a big impact offensively. Of course, it's going to be Braylon Allen. I think to to differ from that, I think a guy like Jake Ferguson, you know, had a big game last week, was very much involved in the offense. I think he could have a big game here as well. Um, you know, racking up the receptions. There's going to be times where they're going to have to make some tough throws. He was clearly the guy that they were looking to last week, and hopefully he can kind of have that same matchup. It's, it, Minnesota will certainly be ready for him, but I have to imagine they're going to be sold out for the run to try and make some stops. So all of a sudden, if you've got a situation where you need to pick up a big play, Jake Ferguson's a guy that you can dump it off to and hopefully have him make, have him make a play. So I'm very much looking forward to see what he can do um, in, in what could be his, of course, last battle uh, for the Axe. Absolutely, and I think Danny Davis is a guy that yep. could get more involved in this game. Didn't have a single reception against Nebraska, but be- the the few games before that, you look at, he had 59 uh, against Iowa, 72 against Rutgers, 46 against Northwestern. He's such a critical part of their offense, um, and if Graham Mertz is needing to pass the ball a little bit more because the run game isn't um, hitting on those big plays and they have to extend drives, Danny Davis is a really good possession receiver that can help them out. And I think that he is the, a player to watch after Pryor kind of got going last week and Ferguson, like you mentioned, maybe this is the week that Danny Davis gets going and uh, helps them out in the passing game. All right, to wrap things up, we'll go ahead and get to a score prediction for you guys. Who do you like and what do you think will the score will be in the battle for Paul Bunyan's axe? I like the Badgers. Um, I, I think it's going to be really close, though. I, I really do. I think there's um, these two teams are fairly similar. The, I don't think that the spread um, is indicative of how close this game will be when you consider that it's also in the Twin Cities here. So I'm going to go with the Badgers to win, but I think it's going to be close, maybe uh, 24 to 20, uh, something like that, 23-20, somewhere in there that the Badgers win, but it's going to be really close and it's going to be down to the end. Yeah, I think I'm on that safe wavelength. I, I thought it would maybe be a situation like a, a 24-10 type of game, um, or 24-14 is what I was going to say, um, a margin of 10 points, where it's going to be tight and late, you know, tight and late into the fourth quarter, and maybe Wisconsin gets a stop, puts up a second score to all of a sudden be up, you know, 10 or, or 14, something along there, because I think Eventually, I just again, I really think this defense is going to be set up well. It's just more so about the offense. I think. At some point, maybe they'll start out not slow, but you know Minnesota will sell out and, and really focus on stopping the run. Wisconsin will have to make some adjustments, but I think towards the end they'll they'll be able to hit some plays. So I think I'll say 24-14. Uh, uh, Badgers pick up a huge victory and get ready for a trip to Indianapolis. I like it. All right. Speaking of Indianapolis, why don't we go ahead and run down the rest of the Big Ten? We'll start with the Friday contest. Iowa traveling to Nebraska. No Adrian Martinez in this one due to a shoulder injury, so that's unfortunate uh, for him and the Huskers because I know uh, they were excited for this big uh, rivalry game. Who do you like there? 
Yeah, I mean, if, if you have Adrian Martinez on the field, I probably would lean towards Nebraska in this game because it's in Lincoln. But um, with him no longer available, they're going to go with Logan Smothers. Um, and um, which which now I, I think if you're a Nebraska fan, you feel a little bit better about them burning his red shirt last week um, for one snap against the Badgers. But um, I'm interested to see what the freshman can do um, for them. But um, I still think that Iowa's got enough to win this game. They have more on the line, um, just given the fact that if Wisconsin loses – Iowa's probably in line to go to the Big Ten Championship. So I'm going to go with Iowa, but I, I think it's going to be like Nebraska's games all year long, be close. But maybe maybe Smothers comes out and, and plays a gem and gets them a win and, and maybe gets them trending for next year. Who, who knows? Yeah, I'd have to agree with you. I think Adrian Martinez was in there. I would pick uh, Nebraska in this game. They actually, you know, they were a favorite. You know, a 3-8 and eight team were, were the favorite when, when Adrian Martinez was supposed to be in there. So... Um, unfortunately for him, it's a tough blow um, that he isn't able to go in this one. So I, I do think the Hawkeyes, with that factor in play, will pick up a victory here. All right, we've got another. We've got Saturday. We'll save the big one for the end. We'll do uh, we'll do Maryland and uh, Rutgers first. 11 a.m. Big Ten Network. Who do you like there in a battle to go bowling for one of those two teams? I was going to say, yeah. I mean, both five and six here. A lot on the line. Both tied for fifth in the 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 uh, East, but I'm going to go with Rutgers, man. You you look at this game, it's not only is it in Piscataway, but the, the way that these two seasons have gone, Rutgers has won at least two out of the last four games with their only losses to Wisconsin and, and uh, Penn State, whereas Maryland here, they've lost um, – or they've only won one of their last seven games. So I, I think the way this is looking, I'm going to go with Rutgers. But but really, I think either one of these teams could win this one. I just think it's going to be um, a crummy game to not watch. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, I think that one will be uh, Rutgers, victory, Rutgers' victory as well. I think you talked about it, the trajectory of this team, these two teams. I think it would be huge for Rutgers to go to a bowl, and I think they're going to be fired up for that. Maryland would certainly, I think, like to be in a bowl, but the way they play this, you almost wonder, you want to say a quit factor with a team that's almost bowl eligible, but I think it's there when you're losing this many games <laughs> consistently and then you're going to be going up against a team on the road that for a football program, a, a bowl game for Rutgers is absolutely huge. So I like the Scarlet Knights to get it done in that one. All right, we've got another rivalry here, Indiana and Purdue. Who do you like there? I'm going to go with Purdue. Indiana's bad. There's not much else to say about it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Two and nine. It's been a rough year for the, the Hoosiers. I don't expect that to change here. So I like the Boilermakers as well. All right, Northwestern traveling to Illinois, 230 Big Ten Network on Saturday. Who do you like there? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to go with Illinois. Um, I, I think Northwestern has the history behind them just based off of how this um, – you know, rivalry has gone, but I think Illinois has been the better team this season. They've they've actually rattled off some nice wins. Um, and you look at their losses; they're they're fairly respectable now that you look back and you see what UTSA has become, UVA, um, and, and and so they've been playing some some good football. And I think that uh, with Brett Bielma back on the sidelines, they'll they'll get the W, and Northwestern will go off and lose um, another one. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I, I think this is another game at 2.30 on Saturday. Everyone will be ready for the Badger game, and you don't need to watch at all. But I do think uh, Bielema and the Illini pick up a victory at home. All right, we'll talk about Penn State and Michigan State up next, 2.30 on ABC. Who do you like there? I'm going to go with Michigan State. They're, uh, they're going to be licking their wounds from last week. But I, but I just think that uh, this team is, is better than Penn State. Um, throughout for most of the game, we saw Penn State still dealing with Clifford being a little bit banged up. Um, not sure kind of what that situation looks like. I'm going to go with uh, Michigan State and see if in what I think is going to be an ugly close game. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I'm actually going to go Penn State. I'm agree with you that it's going to be ugly. Um, I just wonder, you know, last week Michigan State kind of getting up for that game, needing that big victory to you know, kind of change their postseason hopes to all of a sudden getting completely demoralized in, in a contest like that. Um, I, wish, I would imagine Mel Tucker still got them hyped up, but I still think that factors 
in play where all of a sudden you're going to be. I mean, there's a reason they're a two-point underdog at home. I just think it's a, a tough spot, but situationally, um, those are the those are the games that you look for. And it, it, I agree, it'll be a low-scoring, maybe ugly uh, contest if someone pulls out late. All right, the big one, 11 a.m. on Fox, Michigan or Ohio State traveling to Ann Arbor to take on Michigan. Winner, of course, gets the Big Ten East title, and uh, we'll head to the Big Ten Championship with a chance to get to the college football playoff. Who do you like there? I'm not going to overthink this. It's Ohio State. Um, yeah. I think Mich- <laughs> I think Michigan, it's a good story. They're a good team. They obviously beat the Badgers earlier this year, um, and I think if you're a Badger fan, you're rooting for Michigan to get in this to, um, with the hopes to hopefully play them in the Big Ten Championship if the Badgers can take care of business, but I think Ohio State's just clicking at a different level right now, and they're the better team. They're, there's a reason they're number two in the country. They have all of the weapons you could want on offense, and I don't know if Michigan is going to be able to keep pace with that offense um, that Ohio State has. No, I totally agree with you. I do hope. Um, I, I think you'd love to see Michigan win this game. If there's a year for Michigan to knock them off, you know, this is the year at home um, against a – you know, C.J. Stroud's been playing much better, but still a younger quarterback, an inexperienced, hasn't played in this game before. So I think that's the situation you try. And, and if there's a shot to win it, it's right now because you look at Ohio State, they're just, you know, they're clicking on all cylinders in the recruiting phase. And every year is going to be a difficult one. And right now you're in a position. So I think it's going to be Ohio State. I would, I think it's for storyline's sake, it'd be really cool to see Michigan win. I think for Badgers' sake, if they were able to pick up a victory, you want to see Michigan in the Big Ten title game once again, but um, I, I still, until I see it with my own eyes, uh, I have to say Ohio State picks up a victory here. I totally agree. Um, quick thing, looking back at kind of the Big Ten, because we're at like the end of the season here, uh, a couple things that, like just hypotheticals, is that kind of shifted Wisconsin's season is their schedule, right? Like I don't, I know we've talked about how difficult their Badger schedule was, but um, you look at this, the Badgers are, uh, you know, one quarterback sneak away from beating Penn State. Mm-hmm. And Penn State, it would be on the brink of possibly going 6-6 six and six this year um, if the Badgers win that game. Um, and then the other thing was Michigan State. If Wisconsin and Michigan State switch schedules, like how do you think Wisconsin's season has gone? Because I think it goes very differently based off of their schedule because I think Wisconsin just – that opening loss, the way they lost, really shifted everything. And instead of playing Penn State, they would have been playing Northwestern, Youngstown State, and Miami. That's very different than Michigan, um, Penn State, and Notre Dame in your first four games. So I, I think that Michigan State got a little lucky with their schedule this year and maybe wasn't as good as most people uh, assumed coming into the year or going into that uh, after that Michigan game. Yeah, I, I think just in general, I would have loved to see Wisconsin's, you know, the, you can't pick when these games are played, but just if these games are even spaced out throughout the year, you know, all those early tough contests, um, you know, sprinkled all together, if those were maybe spaced out a little bit or later in the year, I think you'd feel really good about uh, the batter chance. I mean, if you, I think if you played Penn State and Wisconsin with, with Chennault and Allen in there, that they win that game by a couple scores. And, um, for, you know, the Michigan game, even Notre Dame, I would love to see – the, the way, I mean, Braylon Allen didn't play in that game. I would love to see a, a game where he was available in, in a contest like that because I think if you replay the, all three of those games, you know, maybe you get a chance to play Michigan again if you get to the Big Ten title game. But I think you'd, you'd have a shot where the Badgers were very much in those games and, and playing. They're just a completely different football team. So that's always a fun thing to look back on because you talk about early in the season, you know, schedule, how it sets up. Versus once you get to the end here and look back, it's um, it's definitely a interesting uh, hypothetical to look at and how seasons would have fared if some different things shook out or if there was scheduling difference. But that's what makes college football so much fun. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's totally butterfly effect, shoulda, woulda, coulda, coulda stuff. But at the same time, it's just kind of fun to, to look back at that um, and uh, – I know we're going to talk about the Badgers' upcoming season next year, but man, they got to do Ziva's schedule again. So, um, but enough of that. You got to, they got to take care of business this weekend against Minnesota, and, and uh, the basketball team's got to take care of a business against St. Mary's, and, and hopefully they both do because I think that would give us a ton to talk about next Monday. 
most definitely that would be a, a fun Monday show if they're both able to pick up victories. Regardless of the result, though, guys, we'll be back with you next week to recap the final game of the Maui Invitational and, of course, this battle for Paul Bunyan's axe. So now we'll go ahead and get into our interview with Andy York of the Daily Gopher as he gives us an insider's perspective on all things Minnesota football. All right, Badger fans, we are now joined by Andy York of the Daily Gopher to get an inside look at the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Of course, a huge contest coming up this week in the Big Ten West, Paul Bunyan's Axe. You all know the drill and how meaningful this game is for both sides. The oldest running rivalry in college football should be a lot of fun this weekend as the Badgers get ready to travel to Minneapolis. Andy, how are you today? I'm, I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited to talk some acts. Of course, this game is always meaningful, like I said, for both sides. Um, but before we get into that, I wanted to just talk about, we always, I always like to start talking about the program as a whole. And, uh, you know, it usually starts with the coaching staff. Of course, the news is PJ Fleck getting that new extension. So going to keep him in Minneapolis for quite some time now, which I think was, uh, seems like a deal that both sides, at least from an outsider's perspective, uh, we're happy about. So how do fans and, and how do you feel about the progress that has been made there um, over the course of his tenure, which has been since, I want to say, 2017? Yeah, 2017. You know, this is this is year five under P.J. Fleck. And I think, you know, over the over the wide range of things, most Gopher fans are pretty happy with what he's done. I mean, I think, I think uh, you know, people were a little skeptical that they got that extension early in the year, but you can see with all of the all the jobs opening up that there was going to be at least some market for it, and better to better to get the speculation of you know he's being shopped for five different jobs out of the way by getting the extension done halfway through the year. Um, but you know, Gopher fans do have some some complaints. I mean, I think everybody has complaints about their coaches, but I mean, it, we've seen PJ Fleck be um, quite conservative at times. Um, you know. We've seen P.J. Fleck sort of brush off criticism of, of his coordinators and, and even his quarterback. Tanner Morgan has, has taken a bit of heat for his play this year. Um, and, and P.J. Fleck sort of threw his wide receiver core under the bus after the uh, the Iowa loss rather than putting any of the blame on, on Tanner Morgan. So um, there are, you know, there are some cracks in, in the foundation. I mean, nobody is – after 2019, everybody was talking about where are we going to put the statue – I don't think those talks have, uh, have have come back quite quite as loudly now. But um, all in all, I mean, I think the the potential is still there to to take that next step. He's recruiting at a higher level than we've had in some significant time. Now we just need to see the rest of that player development and and put it together and and finally, you know, win the win the games that everybody cares about. I mean, he's he's done really good beating up on the on the bottom feeders of the Big Ten. But going into this weekend, he's one and nine against Iowa and Wisconsin, and uh, as Minnesota fans know, that that just won't cut it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a great point. I mean, you talk about the the coaching carousel, which should be you know all sorts of crazy this year, and it makes a lot of sense for some of these schools to evaluate and you know take a bigger and broader picture and look at everything that's going on. So. The next storyline that I wanted to talk about was the run game. Of course, Minnesota runs it at a, a very high clip. I believe, um, you know, fourth most behind the uh, the triple option service academies. Early in the year, Mo Ibrahim goes down with a, a really unfortunate injury. It was, you know, I think everyone, fans across the country, hated to see that. And there's been some other injuries in that running back room, but it seems like it's continued to click, and it doesn't really matter which running back is back there. They're producing so. Has that been more of just the backs, you know, really taking over? Has it just been a really strong offensive line, or what's led to the running game success? Honestly, it's probably a little bit of both. Uh, I mean, the Gophers have the most veteran offensive line in the country. Um, you know, they're they're bringing back guys. I think I, I don't know what the total is now, but I think going into the start of the year it was close to something like 150 career starts between between the five guys on the offensive line. Um, so they they are well experienced. They're bigger. They're more mature, and and they've done some really good jobs at run blocking this year. Um, the other thing I think we're seeing is, is, is the talent that PJ Fleck has recruited. You know, obviously Mo Ibrahim goes down. Um, you know, some people were calling him potential All American. You know, last year's Big Ten Running Back of the Year goes down week one. Trey Potts steps in, who was one of PJ Fleck's uh, first recruits in I think year two, and he looks great for a couple of weeks until he suffers an injury at at uh, Purdue that um, you know sent him out for the season. And then 
you know, you're down to down to your lower three, and now with a with another injury to uh, to Williams, you're down to just two basically scholarship uh, running backs left: a redshirt freshman in Kai Thomas and a uh, true freshman in Marquis Serving. And both those guys have, have lived up to the hype. You know, they they've gotten their carries and they've they've looked good. Um, so I do think it's a, it's a combination of the offensive line really excelling at what they do in the run game, and it is we have a, a much higher talent ceiling in the running back room. Um, you know, it's going to be a lot tougher to to work, run at the clip we have been against uh, Wisconsin's front seven this week, but I think you know it'll be it'll be imperative for the Gophers to have some success in the run game because. Um, we we've seen things go awry in Minnesota's offense when Tanner Morgan's forced to throw the ball 30 times a game this season. Well, that transitions well to my next question because that was what I was going to talk about with the passing game and Tanner Morgan. I mean, obviously a veteran guy that's been around the program for for quite a long time. What has been kind of the strengths and weaknesses of his play um, this season? I mean, his strengths are he is still. I mean, he's a he's been a quarterback now for four years. He's he's a smart guy. He's generally pretty good at picking up the reads in Minnesota's read option offense. He's he's now run that for four years, so he's he's fairly good at knowing. Okay, when can I give it to the running back? When when should I take it myself? Things like that. Um, where he struggled this year is basically throwing anything more than than short routes. Um, and I think part of that has been the situation he's been in. You know, uh, Gopher fans have been ripping on Mike Sanford, our F- offensive coordinator, for really not coming up with game plans to, to really put the Tanner Morgan in successful situations. Um, you know, we had several situations in both the Illinois and Iowa game where, um, you know, we were having a little bit of trouble pass blocking, and, and he just would not switch away from long, complicated routes, which left Morgan sort of running for his life and, and and not being able to throw throw accurate passes and and so that's been probably the most frustrating thing, um, you know as a intern I'm sure there are plenty of Packers fans listening to this as well. Uh, Mike Sanford is the uh, offensive coordinator who at Utah State sort of set Jordan Love back from the uh, all world quarterback he was one season to his senior year where he did not have a great senior season uh, before being drafted by Green Bay. So. Stanford probably is honestly the the biggest issue with Minnesota fans right now. Um, you know, there's been some clamoring for for Morgan to maybe take a seat for PJ Fleck to try and see what else is is behind him. Uh, but he pretty much came out vehemently and said Tanner's our guy. He's going to play the rest of the way, and so uh, Morgan will be there for for good or for worse on Saturday against the Badgers. And we just hope that. Uh, you know, between Sanford and Morgan, they can come up with a, a game plan to at least keep Minnesota in the game. Um, because we we've seen it a couple times this year, where I mean, Minnesota's had they're with a with a better play quarterback play and a better called offensive game. We beat Iowa this year. I mean, that's that's no doubt. We probably beat Bowling Green. Um, you know, so it's it's one of those things that I think if we get a good effort from Morgan in the passing game on Saturday, we'll be able to keep it close, and it'll come down to you know late in the fourth quarter. If if Morgan struggles, if Wisconsin can find a way to get pressure on him and, and force him into making bad throws, it could be over by halftime if it, things go well. I'm glad you mentioned the Mike Sanford aspect because that's a, a great point with the Jordan Love aspect. It seems like uh, Packer fans um, was, certainly would know that name and, and recognize the, the progress that maybe hindered um, the, the Packers' backup quarterback. So that was a great point. But switching gears to the defense now, Wisconsin's been running the ball really well, but this will be probably their toughest test, you know, up front um, since probably the Iowa game. I know, you know, in terms of rankings, Iowa and Minnesota and on the defensive side are a lot of metrics very close. So what has kind of been the reasoning for their excellence on that side of the ball? Yeah, you know, uh, the Gopher run game has been has been quite good this year, or the run defense. Uh, a lot has to do with, with depth and strength in the front four. Uh, the Gophers have been rotating – uh, about a six-man rotation on that front, uh, and they've gotten some just great play up front. Uh, Niles Pickney, Clemson transfer, came in, and he's really given some support at D-tackle. Uh, they've gotten uh, some pretty good performance. Boye Mafe at, at D-end has, has really stepped up both his, his run contain as long as his pass rushing. Um, and honestly, probably one of the biggest reasons is another transfer. Uh, Jack Gibbons, who came in from Abilene Christian, has, has taken over at the mic spot and has really brought some needed leadership and uh, tackling ability to the Gophers linebacking core. And he's really been better than anybody could have asked for 
uh, when we when we came in. Um, and and he they you know that front seven has done a really good job of containing the run and and not letting uh, not letting players really break contain. You know they they the Gophers for most of the year has has really lived on the bend but not break. They'll give you that three yards, four yards, you know, but they'll set you up on third and three, third and four, and then they'll stop you, you know, most of the time and and force you into into either passing situations on third and long or, you know, if they can convert and get off the field on fourth down, that's what they've had success with. They haven't given up a ton of big runs, uh, which has always been the problem previous years is, is the Gophers' run fits always have had issues, and what should be a simple four-yard sweep goes for 40 because the linebackers aren't in the right spot and, and the cornerbacks are too busy dealing with wide receivers downfield and, and that's when, you know, everything goes to goes to hell. Um, they've done a fairly good job of eliminating those big mistakes this year. Um, it seems they always have one drive a game. Uh was the first drive in against Indiana last week. They've had one or they had one or two against Iowa where they for whatever reason they forget how to tackle. And so I'm fully expecting Wisconsin will have one of those games where they'll just ride Braylon Allen down the field and, and probably score in five or six plays and, and the Gopher fans in the stands will start wondering what the hell's going on. But they've been able to turn that around and really cap it to that, you know, one or two bad drives, and then everything else has been really, really solid. So I think, you know, for Minnesota's chances on Saturday, that's definitely going to have to happen. Um, the way the Gopher offense is is scoring, I mean, I don't think we want to get into a and, – and, and Wisconsin's defense is, is just too tough. I don't think we're going to get into any type of high-scoring shootout. I'm, I'm fully expecting it's going to be a, a fairly low-scoring game, and whichever defense can, can execute – the best down the stretch is the one that will probably win. Yeah, I think for Wisconsin fans' sake, I don't think they want to see another shootout. Last week got a little dicey with that uh, Nebraska game back and forth. I think Badger fans would happily take a, a defense and slugfest type of effort, which I think we'll be seeing here. The one other aspect I wanted to ask you about was special teams. I know for Wisconsin, it's been kind of a up-and-down year. Last year had a huge play in that department. How has Minnesota's been in that you know area of the game? Because it seems like you know over the last few years, some of the games have came down to, you know, you think the last year a tight, low-scoring game has came down to to making some kicks. So how has uh, how has Minnesota been in the special teams department? Yeah, that, that will be an interesting question. Uh, so the Gophers brought in Matt Trickett, who was the Mac kicker of the year last year from Kent State as a transfer, and, and he started off pretty well um, and, and made some nice kicks. Um, as the year's gone on, he's, he's sort of struggled a little bit. Um, Trickett's been pretty automatic from 35 and in, which, I mean, all in all is what you want. That's pretty good. But he really has not been great at any distance uh, since probably the first or second game of the year. Um, so that will be one aspect that if it comes down to a long field goal, uh, all bets are off. In fact, uh, the Gophers put in uh, against uh, Iowa, they put in uh, Dragon Kessich, who's our, our kickoff specialist, who's got a huge leg. I think Minnesota's probably got to be close to leading the Big Ten in, in touchbacks on kickoffs this season. Uh, actually, Wisconsin native, I believe. I think Watertown, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, they brought him in to try a 50-some yarder against Iowa, which was blocked. Um, he just didn't get any elevation on it, and that was his first field goal attempt in two years as, as the Gophers uh, kickoff guy. So um, we, we've struggled from distance on that. Uh, Matt Crawford, our, our Australian punter, has um, definitely – uh, had a better season than he had last year. He's had a few good punts, uh, but he every once in a while will will shank one that will you know make things uh, a little bit more complicated. And our return game has really been pedestrian. Um, I know uh, Wisconsin fans will remember in the in the, the uh, twenty eighteen game where uh, Douglas took back a punt return right at the end of the second quarter there that sort of put the Gophers ahead going into halftime. Honestly, right now, the Gophers punt and kickoff returns, we fair catch a vast majority of the time. Every once in a while, we'll try and return it. But I think it would be probably the upset of all upsets if, if somehow uh, the Gophers could get a, a return touchdown or even a big return on Saturday. That just is not what we really do. That's a good point to note. All right. Overall, from a Minnesota perspective, what do you think is going to be the, the key matchup in this game? And if you'd like, give us a score prediction for Saturday. Uh, I mean, I honestly think it'll probably come down to the the running games. Um, I mean, Allen's going to get his for Wisconsin. He's he's ridiculously good. Um, you know, the next in line of of, of Wisconsin pedigree quarterbacks. But I mean, if Minnesota, if Minnesota can can shut him down, 
it's going to be a matter of if, if the Gophers can get a running game going. I think that's going to be tough against the, the Badgers linebacking core. Uh, I, I, I would fully expect Chanel's going to have a huge game on Saturday for you guys. Um, in which case, then it becomes, you know, if the running games wash out, is Will Graham Mertz add his name to the list of Wisconsin quarterbacks that suddenly become Heisman winners when they play against Minnesota? Um, you know, we can, we can talk about all the times that Joel Stave had career games against the Gophers. Scott Tolzien had career games against the Gophers. Going all the way back to John Stocko had career games against the Gophers. Um, Wisconsin quarterbacks always seem to find a way to, to feed on, on Minnesota defenses. And, um, you know, I, I, I do think that uh, Wisconsin probably has the edge going into this game. It's the Gophers' offense, especially passing offense, just hasn't clicked. And there's nothing that we've seen that really gives us any confidence that, especially going against one of the best defenses in the nation, that they're going to be able to come up with some game plan that's going to uh, be able to change that. So uh, I hope I'm wrong. I hope Minnesota figures something out and it's, uh, you know, P.J. Fleck opens up the playbook and says, let's just get incredibly creative. Um, but I do think it's going to be one of those sort of uh, sloggy type games, which probably in the long run favors Wisconsin. So, uh, I, you know, I predicted on our blog, and I think I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to go probably a 24-13 type win for Wisconsin. It'll be close late into the fourth quarter, but the Badgers get that last, last touchdown to sort of seal things away, and Minnesota just doesn't have enough. All right, there you have it, Badger fans. It should be a fun contest on Saturday afternoon in the battle for Paul Bunyan's act. Andy, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Hey, no problem. Good luck, uh, Sky Yamar. Go Gophers. <laughs> All right, Badger fans, we'll be back with you next week to recap every for everything from this Minnesota contest, as always, on Wisconsin. <laughs> Thank you.